please rise as you are able and receive this reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let's go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Let's all pray together now. Gracious God, we thank you that you give us Jesus. You have given us Jesus. You are present with us. And for this great blessing and for the presence of spirit among us right now, we give you thanks and praise. As we reflect on your holy and living word, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, for you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today in our gospel, we learn that Simon, later called Peter, has a mother-in-law, which means that Simon, later called Peter, has a wife. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? Way back in 2015, I served as an editor and writer for Abingdon's CEB Women's Bible. And as part of working on that project, I learned to pay attention to places in Scripture where women were mentioned but often got overlooked. And part of my assigned work uh, on that project was to write many profiles of unnamed women who show up in stories in Scripture. For example, I was asked to write a profile on Paul's sister, who shows up once in Acts. It doesn't say anything about it. It said, well, Paul's sister, and then Paul's sister did what? And I was supposed to write something about Paul's sister. We don't know anything about Paul's sister, except that she was Paul's sister. Anyway, over this past week, I decided I would pull out my CEB Women's Bible and see if there was a profile that had been written on Simon's mother-in-law. 
And to my surprise and dismay, I realized that not only was there not a profile, but Simon's mother-in-law had also been inadvertently overlooked for inclusion in our publication's index list of all the unnamed women in the Bible. Fail, <laughs> massive fail. <laughs> but in the story we heard today, Jesus doesn't overlook her. Jesus doesn't hesitate, but moves to her side and with tenderness, a tenderness not lost even in the terse language of Mark's gospel. He takes her by the hand and lifts her up. Then the woman whose name is known to God alone rises. The fever leaves her body and she begins to diakonai, to serve, to minister to Jesus and the others. The Greek word diakoneo, sometimes I get it wrong, diakoneo, is what Jesus uses when he says, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Instead, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your diakonos, servant. For the Son of Man came not to be diakonethenai, served, but diakonesai, to serve. Jesus' way of leadership was to serve to be in solidarity with those whom others would ignore or dismiss. And that humble service inspired others to follow his way of life, his way of ministry, his way of leadership. In the few words that we have in the scripture about Simon's mother-in-law, we learn that she was among the first, if not the first, to follow Jesus in this way. She and Jesus in this story model the dignity, equity, and mutual respect that is the goal of human relationship in the kingdom of God. Jesus ministered to Simon's mother-in-law, and then she ministered to Jesus. Without the benefit of volumes of philosophy and social theory, Jesus simply understood the important relationship between your goal and the tactics you use to reach it. He understood the relationship between the means and the ends. Jesus modeled the way of being, the way of living that he taught. He did not amass, for example, an army to overthrow the Roman Empire or engage in vigilante justice against corrupt leaders in the religious and political sphere. 
Rather, Jesus used peaceful means, nonviolent means, to achieve the vision of mutuality, justice, and peace that he preached about. Everything he did was aligned with the values of the kingdom, self-giving love, mercy, generosity, humility, courage that comes from faith in God, wisdom and friendship, justice and joy. In Mark's account, Jesus is always telling people, and often demons, like in our scripture today, to not speak of him as the Son of God. Don't tell anybody who I am. Just let me be Jesus. Scholars have all sorts of theories about this so-called messianic secret. And I wonder whether that it's just that Jesus didn't want anything to get in the way of his ability to serve, to be in solidarity with those on the underside of history, to be the one not who everybody was, was thinking was big and important and wouldn't want to have anything to do with them, but rather to be the one that they would say, oh yeah, come to our party, we're going to have a lot of prostitutes and grifters there. <laughs> what if he was telling people not to tell who he was, the bigness the greatness, the eternity of who he was so that he could do the thing he came to do, which was to serve, to be in solidarity, to be a wise, steadfast friend, and to be received that way as one who will remind you not of how powerful he is, but about how powerful you are and to invite you to use your power to make a difference for better in the world, no matter who or where you are. Jesus moved around the world that way. Jesus understood that the means affect the ends. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. reflects on this dynamic this way, quote, if we are to have peace in the world, people and nations must embrace the nonviolent affirmation that ends and means must cohere. There have always been those who argued that the end justified the means, and the means really aren't important. The important thing is to get to the end, you see. So if you're seeking to develop a just society, they say, the important thing is to get there. And the means are really unimportant. Any means will do, as long as they get you there. They may be violent. They may be untruthful means. They may be unjust means to a just end. There have been those, he says, who have argued this throughout history. But we will never have peace in the world until people everywhere recognize that ends are not cut off from means, because the means represent the idea in the making and the end in process. And ultimately, you can't reach good ends through evil means. Because the means represent the seed, the end represents the tree. 
Now, I would be remiss in my task if I failed to point out that there was a prophet speaking to Dr. King on this point all along the way, and he failed to heed it. That prophet's name was Ella Baker. Ella Baker, for years, among the broad public consciousness, has been like Simon's mother-in-law in our gospel text today, overlooked and name unknown. But many would agree that there wouldn't be a civil rights movement, or not the one we celebrate, without her. Baker was committed to a radical democratic vision of social change and black liberation beginning in the 1920s. She was on the staff of the early NAACP, a woman on the staff of the early NAACP, and was a wonder at organizing from the grassroots and building relationships and lifting up leaders to make change in their communities. Baker, together with her close friends, Bayard Rustin and Samuel David Levison, were instrumental in the formation of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. You all have heard of that, right? Little organization that did a few things down south, once upon a time. She served as the first executive director of the SCLC, but Dr. King insisted that that would be only on a temporary basis. As Barbara, biographer Barbara Ransby writes, quote, Baker was certainly as politically sophisticated, articulate, and astute as her male counterparts, and she had 20 years of political experience in the South as well as in the North, yet, King kept Baker at arm's length and never treated her as a political or intellectual peer. As Baker later put it, quote, After all, who was I? I was female. I was old. I didn't have any PhD. Ella Baker was forthright and unwilling to censor her perspectives, even with the powerful and charismatic men who were lifted up as the primary leaders of the movement. She critiqued the patriarchal ethos of the church that had trailed into the work at the institution of the SCLC and beyond. One writer notes that, quote, neither Rosa Parks nor Joanne Gibson Robinson, nor any of the women who had sacrificed so much to ensure the Montgomery boycott's success were invited to play a leadership role in the new organization. Baker felt that her own involvement was tolerated more than appreciated. She said, quote, someone's got to run the mimeographing machine only half-joking. When Dr. Danielle McRae was here to preach for Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, we spent some time in my study talking about Ella Baker. 
McRae pointed me to Barbara Ransby's book and helped me understand that Ella Baker persistently communicated to King and other leaders that the dream will never be achieved while half the human family, the women, are treated like second-class citizens within the movement. The means must cohere to the ends. Even in the midst of powerful movements for change, among people who are laboring to do what is right, activists often unwittingly replicate the values and attributes of those they oppose, which becomes a detriment to the movement. While many black leaders criticized racial hierarchies in the dominant society, they recreated hierarchies based on class, gender, and personality within the movement itself. In the interlocking justice workshop that I was privileged to participate in as part of the board and staff uh, leaders with uh, Anna Jelsey Velasco Sanchez, Sanchez made this comment, she made the observation that what I was just describing is, is the same thing that she sees happening in so many nonprofits, so many religious organizations that she works with. The, the thing that we're trying to work on to overcome out in the society, we simply recreate in other ways within our own organizations. And so the work that she is helping us and others seek to do is to, is to combat that within our own community and to build truly, more intentionally, the beloved community with all our capacities, acknowledging our frailty. Because here's the thing, it is difficult to always get it right. Even if you are Martin Luther King Jr., who knew a thing or two about all this stuff, it is hard to always get it right. We all have those places we can't, we can't perceive everything we need to perceive. We can't feel it. We don't know it. We just don't know. Even if you're absolutely committed to building a truly just and equitable community, it is difficult. As Miss Natalie's been teaching the kids and all of us these last weeks, community is difficult. Building community, beloved community, is work. But Jesus shows us how it looks to fully embody and enact the vision every moment. He lived and moved in what was a patriarchal society, and yet he did not sideline people. He did not overlook women. He did not discount the gifts of every person. He doesn't create winners and losers, conquerors and conquered. These frameworks fuel cycles of wars and retaliations and grievances and bitterness and us versus them and systems of domination where some lord over others. Jesus' way creates mutuality and dignity, a reality in which the rough places become plain and mountains are brought low to create an even playing field for all to move upon and to dwell with ease. Jesus was committed to lifting up the overlooked servant leaders like Simon's mother-in-law and like Ella Jo Baker, 
to drawing near to those oppressed by illness and harmful spirits, to befriending those rejected by polite society, to calling those on their high horse to come down and throw in their lot with the huddled masses yearning to be free. This wasn't just Jesus's goal, it was Jesus's way all along the journey. There's a funeral home on North Capitol Street that I used to drive by all the time. I think it's still there. When I used to drive by, I would see on the side of its outer wall a mural that was painted of, of a man reaching down to a person lying on the ground. And the caption was a quote of Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, that was this, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Jesus lifted people up so that they might recognize their own dignity, their own power and capacity to serve like Jesus, with Jesus, to make a difference in someone else's life, to create a change in the world through working together with God and other people according to the ways of the kingdom. And our call is the same as it was in Jesus' day, It's the same as when Dr. King first spoke these words, quote, we must move on with determination and zeal to break down the unjust systems we find in our society so that it will be possible to realize the American dream. If we seek to break down discrimination, we must use the proper methods. I'm convinced more than ever before that as the powerful creative way opens, people who are eager to break the barriers of oppression and of segregation and discrimination need not fall down to the levels of violence. They need not sink into the quicksands of hatred, but standing on the high ground of non-injury, love, and soul force. They can turn this nation upside down and right side up. May we heed this call. May we heed the call of Ella Jo Baker. May we heed the call and follow in the footsteps of all those known and unknown who diakoneo, who serve and minister in the way of Jesus Christ, who serve in the way of life together that is the kingdom of God. May it be so. Amen. Amen.